Hey guys, this is site expert Colby Patnode. Uh, we just wanted to take a minute before the podcast to uh, let you guys know that in one week's time, the SotoMojo.com website will be releasing our official off-season plan. This was a collaborative effort between myself and Dan Clark, as well as a couple of outside of the website consultants, uh, TJ Moulton and Nick Lee. Um, this is just a simple outline of what we believe the Mariners could do this offseason. Um, we certainly aren't uh, saying this is what they have to do or predicting that this is what they will do. This is just what we think they would do or c- could do to uh, hopefully end that 16-year playoff drought. So be on the lookout on November 8th for our official offseason plan. The offseason has already begun. The uh, Justin Upton has just signed this morning with the Los Angeles Angels. And in five days' time, uh, any free agent will be able will be free to sign with the Seattle Mariners. So uh, we've already jump-started our offseason uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout-out, congrats, to the uh, folks over at uh, Climbing Towels Hill. That is our, uh, our, I guess, our sister site who writes about the Houston Astros. Um, congratulations to them. Their team is world champions for at least a year. And uh, I'm sure it won't be their first. I'm sure it won't be their last appearance in the World Series. So be on the lookout for our uh, for our off-season plan article, and enjoy the show. On this week's podcast, we talk a little bit about the World Series. Um, this was recorded yesterday before we knew the champion, but uh, we talk a little bit about the World Series, and then we focus mainly on the Mariners' infield, including talks on uh, first base backup catcher, extending Mike Zanino, and the utility man. So sit back, enjoy the show, and thanks for listening, guys. See ya. Okay, up here in Seattle, um, certainly the baseball world's doing okay because we got Game Seven tonight. Um, before we're recording, uh, starts in about an hour and a half. So uh, next week when we join you guys again, we'll have a World Series champion. So uh, you know, do you have any quick thoughts on the series, Dan? I after last year's World Series, I don't, I didn't think it would sort of get much better. Um, I'm definitely last year. I definitely wasn't a Cubs fan. Definitely wasn't a Cleveland fan. But just from a baseball perspective, it was it had everything that you wanted in the series, and yet this year is just gone out and done it again. Uh, that game five, uh, uh, that was just one of the. I was only sort of listening to it here and there because down under I was at work, um, but hey, it, it had everything. It sort of was it was tired, and then one team was a long way in front, and then they come back, and it was just. That was probably one of one of my favourite games, full stop, that I've ever sort of watched and listened to. Basically, it was, yeah, it was it was great. It was everything that you could want in baseball, and it's probably why we all love baseball. Yeah, tough to argue with that. Um, it definitely feels like the two best teams in baseball are playing each other, and it's really cool to see uh, you know the series go to seven games, and every game has kind of been a toss up. And uh, it just, it's just—it's been a great series. It's lots of fun. 
and uh, both teams should be very proud of their season. Uh, we will have to wait and see who walks away with the uh, with that trophy, though. Yeah, definitely. It's um, like you said, it's game game seven. One of the two best words in in sports. Game seven. Uh, plus up, you got Darvish going for the Dodgers, um, and then you got McCullers going for the Astros. But not many of these games, other than I think Verlander went. Uh, nine, the first time he went out, it's been about the bullpens. Um, so if the Dodgers can get into the Astros' bullpen early, I like the Dodgers, but the longer McCullers is in the game and sort of pitching well, it, it could go either way, and we could see some sort of magic walk-off or something like that in the end. That uh, that would be truly incredible. So uh, yeah. I said good luck, to, uh, good luck to the Astros and the Dodgers. Um, don't think either team is going anywhere anytime soon, but uh, you want to get that one out of the way now. And uh, hey, you know what? Tomorrow officially starts the uh, the off season, so that's probably what most Mariner fans are focused on. Um, this is episode five of our off off season podcast. Um, the last kind of group we have to uh, talk about is the infield, and uh, it's probably the most stable group um, in the Mariners organization. When you look at it from left to right, you have Seager, you have uh, Segura, and you have Cano kind of locked into their position. So, I mean, uh, you know, Seager didn't have a great year last year. Segura was hurt a little bit, and so was Cano. But overall, you still have to feel pretty good about those three, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think um, Segura coming over um, from Arizona last year, I think he was sort of, He's probably one of the best shortstops that we've had, I think, since oh, mid to early 2000s, sort of Carlos Guillen sort of days. Um, I, I love watching Gene Segura play. Um, I love his energy out in the field. Um, so, yeah, you've always got Canal at second base until sort of he decides, hey, I think it's going to be best for me to go to first base. Um, he's always going to be there, and, and Silver as well. Like you said, he, he had a bit of a down year. Um, this year, um, I was probably expecting to bounce back a little bit, um, especially since he's probably in LA watching his brother in the World Series. Um, I think he's going to come back with a bit of fire in his belly next year, and and, um, and yeah, try to sort of pick it up from where he left off last year. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I think everybody in uh, Mariners baseball fandom would agree. Kyle Seager kind of have a had a down year last year. But he still hit 25 home runs and had like 90 RBIs. I mean, he he was okay, but it, it certainly was disappointing. Um, Cano took a big step back. I don't think that was surprising. I don't think anybody thought he was going to hit, what, 40 home runs like he did the year before. But, uh, yeah, you know, you're both pretty solid there. And at shortstop, it's hard not to like Gene Segura. But uh, the one position we haven't mentioned uh, is probably, aside from starting pitching, the biggest question mark on this team right now um, because as of right now if a ground ball is hit to first base Dan- Daniel Vogelbach is the one to field it I guess so uh, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room let's get that out of the way right now uh, Dan yeah. what what do the Mariners do at first base um, I think they've got to do something different from what they've done in previous years with a platoon I think we need to go out and get a guy who's going to play 150, 155 games of the year. Um, I just think sort of having that platoon at first is just a bit of a waste of a roster spot. So I'm looking 
I'm looking at a few guys uh, for our off-season plan who I think should be there. Um, my personal favourite, though, is probably Carlos Santana. Um, I love what he does with the Indians. Um, the last couple of years, he's batted about 250. His slash line this year was 249, 365 and 445. Last two years, he's walked 187 times. So he's definitely one of those guys that Jerry would like with the whole control the zone sort of mentality. Um, 3.4 wall last year, I think he had a really solid year. Um, but again, if you're sort of looking for one of those guys that's not a platoon, you're going to probably have to pay him. And being 31 years old, I think you'd probably have to give him a four or five year deal. But if I was sort of a GM, I'd probably sort of skimp out of a couple of other places, um, i.e. like the utility and the backup catcher. Um, and sort of go get a guy who's going to play, like I said, 155 sort of games a year. Yeah, uh, fortunately for the Mariners, uh, first base, there are a number of interesting free agents. Um, like you mentioned, there's Carlos Santana, uh, Logan Morrison's coming off of a great year, uh, Eric Hosmer, that seems less likely, but he's out, he's out there if you want to give him a shot. Um, you know, there's just a lot of really quality first basemen out there, it seems, including Yonder Alonso, who was with the Mariners uh, for two months last year. Uh, you mentioned not liking a platoon, but uh, if they bring back Yonder Alonso, what would you think of that? I, I liked what Yonder Alonso did uh, in the second half. Um, he, everything you sort of read from when he was sort of interviewing and stuff like that, he really sort of seemed to love being in Seattle. Um, sort of him getting away from teams, I suppose, like the A's and stuff like that. Whereas in Seattle, even though sort of with injuries and stuff like that, we didn't do all that much. But it was just, yeah, I think he was sort of enjoying uh, playing on a, on a sort of a higher team, I suppose. Um, I think I wouldn't be shattered if Yonder Alonso was brought back. But again, like I said, of if he's brought back, he's your, he's your primary day, uh, first baseman, and he's going to play about 150 games plus a year. Yeah, the problem with having a platoon at first base, I think, is that typically the guy who the other first baseman only plays first base. You know, so it's as opposed to having a platoon in the outfield where your outfielder could play, you know, all three outfield spots. Hypothetically, you know, your platoon first baseman, if it's I don't know. Pick, if they bring back Danny Valencia and they try Daniel Vogelbach again, you know Vogelbach can only play first base. So it, I, I agree with you. It's just a it's just a wasted spot. I would like to see them stay away from a, a platoon, much like yourself. Um, you know, it's interesting. This is a spot where you could save some money possibly um, if you feel like you need to go out and get a starting pitcher or get an outfielder. You could probably get by here with just league average production. I know there's a few guys who, uh, minor league guys, high minor league guys that Mariner fans like. Uh, would, would you be interested in that, bringing in a rookie to kind of start at first base and see where it goes? Or are you looking for a veteran right now uh, to help the Mariners win in this little window they have? Yeah, I think that sort of comes back to the place where we sort of go, Look, what are we what are we trying to achieve next year? If we're sort of just trying to compete, yeah, bringing back a rookie, uh, bringing up a rookie rather, um, wouldn't be sort of too bad an idea. But 
if you want to sort of be up there with Houston and, and right up there with in that top wild card, I think you just got to go out and get a veteran guy. Um, I think that's just how it's going to be. If you sort of keep sort of just bringing up these rookies and stuff like that, um, I'm afraid we're going to end up in the same sort of spot we were this year. 14, 15, 16 best team in the league and, and sort of just going from there. Yeah, there's not... Uh... There's kind of three main areas of need for the Mariners. I think we can all agree. That's first base, uh, an outfielder, preferably a center fielder, and starting pitching. I don't know if the Mariners have the money to go out and sign a top player at all three spots. So if you had to prioritize those three, like what would you want to spend the most money on, the starting pitcher, the outfielder, or the first baseman? Um, if I was going to sort of spend the most money, I think it would definitely be in the starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that's 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 what killed us this year. Um, our offense was sort of in the top third this year, but it was just our starting pitching. Um, so yeah, if I was going to spend the majority of the the off season money, I'd definitely be looking at starting pitching. Um, I'd probably even say first base would be second though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I'm probably not looking to to sign someone like Lorenzo Cain. Um, even though he would be an, an amazing addition for the Mariners, uh, I just think the other two needs are a little bit sort of more important, I think. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. So uh, when we look at first base, you mentioned Carlos Santana. Is there any other player that you think would make sense? I mean, I think we've all kind of written off Eric Cosmer as a possibility. Do you think that's just a road the Mariners just shouldn't even bother to go down? Yeah, no, I don't think. Uh, again, so you love Eric Hosmer, but I think he's just going to cost you too much and limit your option builders. Um, where I think Santana, I don't think you'll get as high a contract as uh, what Eric Hosmer would be. You can always, like you said, go after guys uh, like Lemo, who's come off one of his best years, his, or a career year last year. Um, I don't know how, how open he will be to coming back to Seattle. Um, after sort of us trading him. But, yeah, you, you definitely can go sort of, like you said, there, there are a heap of guys uh, in that sort of free agent class this year without sort of dipping into into your options, sort of the trade possibilities and stuff like that. So I think free agents are definitely the way that you got to go this year. Yeah, I would uh, tend to agree. Uh, just a couple more names that have already been linked to the Mariners. Um which seems weird because we haven't even hit season yet, but uh, we've seen a few reports out there that the Mariners are interested in Mitch Moreland and uh, possibly Lucas Duda. Some Mariner fans will remember that the Mariners were linked to Duda in the uh, in the at, around the trade deadline. This was before they traded for uh, Yonder Alonso in August, but uh, both of those guys are somewhat interesting. Duda really crushes right-handed pitching, pretty bad against the lefties, and Mitch Moreland is more of a defensive-minded first baseman who's okay um, offensively. So out of Lucas Duda or Mitch Moreland, is, do either one of those guys appeal to you at all? Yeah, I like probably, out of those two, I'll definitely probably prefer Mitch Moreland just because, like you said, he's got that defensive-minded sort of first, basically. Um I think you could probably sort of go that way where you got 
your first baseman's a little bit more defense than offense because you have guys like Segura and Cano who are playing um, up the middle that are definitely more offensive sort of type players. So, yeah, out of those two, out of Duda and Moreland, I'd definitely go Mitch Moreland. I uh, I think I tend to agree with you there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Mariners do. I think there are some trade options out there. I don't know if um, you know. I just don't know that to make the most sense for the Mariners with their limited prospect pool that they can actually trade from. Uh, so we'll see what happens at first base. Um, I think they absolutely have to address it. I think any combination that has Daniel Vogelbach as your primary first baseman entering the season. It's just a huge loss for Jerry DePoto and his crew. So uh, we'll leave first base at that, and we'll switch over to behind the plate, where um, I don't if we had talked about this a year ago and said, hey, you know what, Mike Zanino is going to be your starting catcher for the next three years, guaranteed, I think we probably would have said, no, thank you. Um, but thanks to the uh, huge second half, um, he appears to have a lockdown on the Mariners' starting catching job, which means the Mariners have saved a little bit of money, um, however, his backup is uh, open for some debate. Carlos Ruiz is a free agent. We don't know if he's willing to return or if he's going to retire or what's going on there. So backup catchers, Dan, who do you like? What do you want? Do you want them to spend a little bit of money on a veteran? Do you want them to go cheap? What do you? What would you like to see in the backup catcher? Uh, this one is one of the ones where I think I'd rather sort of go a little bit cheap um, and sort of bring back Mike. Uh, is the Marja. Marjama. Michael Marja. Marjama, that's it, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, in the sort of, in the limited sort of thing that we saw him in September this year, I, I sort of like what I saw. I like his, the way he received the ball, sort of, he was pretty solid behind the plate. Um, and he, from memory, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately, but I, I think he sort of, he came out with a really good arm as well and sort of held the running game. So, I don't think backup catcher is going to, I suppose, be one of the places where I want to spend a lot of money because we've got such high needs in other places. Um, I'd rather spend that money, like we said, in starting pitching and first base in the outfield first. So, yeah, I'd probably bring back um, Majima from last year. What about yourself? Um, I would uh, I would tend to agree with you. There certainly are a number of interesting backup catchers out there. Uh, Rene Rivera would be interesting. Giovanni Soto, Nick Hundley, uh, just to name a few backups who are in their mid-30s but could provide some value. But I think the Mariners may have already tipped their hand with how they're going with this. On the 27th of October, they claimed a catcher by the name of David Friatis, I believe is how you pronounce it, from the Braves. Um and like I said, they traded for Marjima late in the year. I think they are setting up, setting themselves up to have a catching situation where Sonino is going to get 110 games or whatever, and the rest are going to be farmed out between, you know, a couple of younger guys. Um, so I'm right there. We think they go. I think they go young and cheap at backup spot. It's probably the best way to go. Yeah, I think so. Like we said, if we didn't have such high needs elsewhere, um, sure, sort of go out sort of spend that five, six million sort of a year on that on those backup catcher guys but when we when our needs are so sort of dire in some of the other places, I think you just gotta 
go right. I will out of a backup catcher. They're probably only going to start 45, 50 games a year, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think you probably got to go the cheaper option there. I think, unfortunately. I would say so. So, uh, focus on Mike Zanino's backup. Let's talk a little bit about Mike Zanino. Um, the guy is about to enter his first arbitration eligible uh, off season. MLB trade rumors believes he'll make about three million dollars here in this first year of arbitration, um, which, if he repeats what he did last year, is an absolute bargain. Um, so, I guess my question to you is, knowing that he's got three years of uh, three years of arbitration ahead of him. Do you think about extending Mike Zanino to try and save a little bit of money here, or do you just do you want to see him do it for another year? What What are your feelings on a Mike Zanino extension at this point? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. Um, but if, if I was going to extend him this year, I'd be looking sort of like a five year deal, I suppose, uh, by the arbitration and then to a free agency. Um, I suppose the way I think about it is if if I wake up in the morning and get a notification on my phone saying the Mariners have extended Mike Zanino five years, they say uh, $30 million all up or something like that, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be disappointed. Um, even even if without his, his sort of, if his bat goes down a little bit, he's still sort of really defensive. I love his defensibilities and stuff like that. So, yeah, I wouldn't... I'm sort of a little bit either way on that. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed if I saw it happen. Um, but then again, you go, he's only sort of done it for a full season. I'd like to sort of see that next year he comes out, in the, even in the first couple of months next year, if he comes out by sort of middle of June next year and he's hitting 240 with 12, 15 home runs or something like that, Maybe sort of do it then, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a little bit sort of. I wouldn't be disappointed with it, but if they decide to wait for another twelve months, I'm not disappointed by that either. Yeah, I think that's probably the most popular opinion on this. Um, I will say that uh, there is a bit of precedence here. Um, Tucker Barnhart of the he's a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. He and Mike Zanino are born. 60 days apart so they're both 20 they'll both be 27 next year uh barnhart just had a career year he put up a 3.4 war uh, mike zanino put up a 3.4 war so very similar years uh, zanino with more power uh barnhart much more of a on base guy um but barnhart just signed an extension it was a four-year deal for uh 16 million dollars and uh that includes a team option for one year at $7.5 million. Now, Barnhart is uh, four years away from free agency. Mike Zanino is only three. So Mike Zanino is probably going to cost a little bit more. But at four years and, let's say, $20 million uh, for on an extension for Zanino, is that something you do, or are you still really wanting to wait and see? Now, four years and $20 million, if you could get him to do that, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be pretty happy with that. I think, um, like you said, Mike Zanino, the 3.4 WAR this year, he had the second highest WAR uh, for American League catchers with 3.4. Gary Sanchez from the Yankees had 4.3. Uh, but other than that, you beat out sort of guys like Wellington Castillo, 
I had another really good year. Salvador Perez is still probably the best catcher in, in the American mm-hmm. League. Um, and and from the second half, I think he had the best uh, the wall above, uh, even above Gary Sanchez. So, yeah, if you said, like I said, if I woke up and saw Mike Zanino signed a four-year extension for $20 million or even, geez, even give me a bit more, $22, 24000000 million a year, mm-hmm. something like that, I, I wouldn't be too happy. I'd be pretty happy with it, actually. Yep. Um, you know, it's interesting when you talk about Zanino. Uh, if he puts together a first half like his second half last year, his price might go up by as much as like $10 million over four years, you know? That four-year $22 million deal might have to become a four-year $32 million deal. So uh, it's really interesting to talk about or to discuss. It certainly is interesting to think about. Um, You know, we'll see what Jerry DePoto does. I think he would like to get this done, but also I don't think he'll hesitate to wait a year. Um, Like, you get three years. He's If he doesn't, if you don't get an extension this year, he's going to make about $3 million, even if he is just average Mike Sanino, he's still worth $3 million. So uh, I think I'm with you there. I would like to see it on the right terms. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see what Mike Sanino wants. That's the other thing. We're assuming that Mike Sanino wants to sign an extension. Uh, he might want to just hit free agency and go. Um, at this point, he would hit free agency at age 20 or age 30. It's a pretty good time to hit free agency, especially if you're a power catcher. So we'll see what happens with Mike Sanino. But uh, we just have one last position to kind of wrap up here. We just need to uh, quickly touch on the utility man. And, uh, Dan, what do you think about the utility guy? Are you okay with Taylor Motter, or is there somebody else you'd like to see? Um, at this stage, a bit like the backup catcher role, I think um, I'd be happy with Taylor Motter to come back. Um, definitely not opposed to looking at our options, but just I think with our other needs elsewhere, I think Taylor Motter... I wouldn't be wouldn't be disappointed if they come back, um, and was this a backup there next year? What about yourself? You're probably looking at sort of a few other options outside. Yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of having a good utility guy, and uh, when I say utility guy, I mean a starter who plays, who can actually play, you know, five positions, like um, somebody who can actually be in your lineup every day. You just don't know where. If I could put any player from any other team on the Mariners, aside from the obvious like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and that group, it would probably be Marwin Gonzalez. I really like that the Astros have that versatility and a guy who can play literally everywhere on the field. And so I would spend a little bit of money there. Um, Unfortunately, there's not a lot out there. Um, The guy I kind of zeroed in on is Cesar Hernandez of the Phillies. Um, He'd be a little bit pricey in trade. He wouldn't be cheap, but... uh, I think it's definitely worth it if you can get a guy who can play a hundred games, but do it at six different positions. I think that's I think that has value, but uh, like it's not easy to find, and it's going to be expensive if you do find it. So it might be the, it might be smarter just to uh, maybe find a few journeyman type of guys and uh, maybe a few free agent tra- or minor league trades and see if you can find somebody to push Taylor Motter. Yeah, definitely. I think I think if we can, like you said, find a guy who's I similar to Taylor Motta and just say, look, it's not your job, but it's yours if you're willing to bend your back a bit and perform. But 
yeah, like I said, there's not many guys out there. Um, I looked on the free agents there before, and there was there was no one really that sort of even half jumped out to me that um, is worth sort of spending any big money on. Um, yeah, so Taylor Motta, hopefully he can sort of take that next step in his second year. Like he, I think it was April, April or May this year, he sort of performed out of his shoes and then sort of, I think everyone, the league kind of learned that, hey, if you're staying in basketball, he's going to hit it a long way, especially inside. But if you're sort of pitching outside, uh, a little bit outside the strike zone, off-speed sort of stuff, he struggles. So he's definitely got a few hurdles to sort of overcome this off-season. But with Ed Gavin, the hitting coach, he's probably one of the best guys that you can ever have in your corner. So hopefully they can sort of get their heads together and, and work something out. Yeah, that, uh, that would be nice. Just have that guy that can play... Uh, you know, I, I, and you got to give Motter credit. He really did a nice job when he had to fill in for Segura. So uh, I'm not opposed to him entering some training with that job, but uh, I would like to see them bring in somebody to at least push him. But, uh, you know, like we said, there's not a whole lot out there, so it'll be tough for them to find. But uh, it's something that I would at least pursue. So that's going to wrap up our, uh, our infield preview, review, whatever you want to call it, podcast. Here on the Soto Mojo Offseason Pod. Dan, do you have anything else you want to say? No, just everybody enjoy Game 7 today. And, yeah, hopefully maybe a bit of extra innings, maybe a walk-off win, something something for the ages to look back on in a few years and go, wow, imagine that happening again. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. So uh, from all of us over here at Soto Mojo, uh, from Dan Clark and me, Colby Patnode, we are signing off for now, and we'll see you guys in another life. <laughs>